And we're back. And we're still black. And we are going to eventually try to talk about the nominations for the, I believe it's the 90th edition of the Academy Awards. Is it? I feel like I only know the the year because a lot of people were talking about the nomination of the female cinematographer being the first ever. And then a lot of people saying on Twitter, it's also the 90th Oscars. Why does that make it better or worse? I think it's just under context. It's sort of a preemptively, you know, for your anti-SJW on social media folks, before they chime in, it almost helps them know, maybe this is one to just, if not stay away from, like consider how hard you're going to go on some random stranger for being happy about this milestone, knowing that it's the 90th time. Like for 90... versions of this award ceremony no woman has ever been nominated for best cinematographer so whatever argument you have about women's capability of i don't know seeing things and processing images and in some way helping to uh, help direct uh, how images are captured if you think that uh, as a gender women aren't capable of that role then feel free to speak up, but it's not like, oh, there were women nominated a bunch of times or whatever. Well, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Would, I would probably, but I have no idea what the numbers are. I'm sure they're available somewhere. But I mean, how many women have been DPs on movies, period, let alone been nominated? Right, right, right. So that's where we are, once again, on the raggedy edge of how the world could be different. <coughs> a lot of things are changing. But first, before we get into that, uh, I was just thinking it's been a while since we've had an episode, uh, an episode about the TIFF as an organization or their website specifically. We aren't going to do a full unpack today. However, just as I was thinking about it, they sent out oh, one of their surveys. Even? Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I, listener, I assume that you just remember Mel. Uh, you, but it's been a minute. Yeah, it has been a minute. You may remember Mel as... Uh, they really? As a long-running co-host. Yeah, long-running co-host and, and long-time friend. Yes, long-running co-friend. Yeah, and uh, she sees more movies than I do because of her proximity to one of the theaters in the city with VIP. Yes, yes, yes. Although you blew my mind when you told me that I could get alcohol in a non-VIP setting. That changes everything. It, it is a game-changer. But it, you couldn't initially. So when the VIPs yes, first true. started I've opening been... in Toronto... But I'm like now, like I'm like a, I'm like a coastal elite though, because I wouldn't even know, because I don't even try to go to the regular theater. Yes. So I wouldn't have known. That's the thing. I, I live in this rarefied world where they, you know, they bring bottles of wine to you. You're right. You're like the 1%. I'm like, I'm like an old white male Oscar voter. I don't know what's going on out in these streets, because <laughs> I spent too much time in fucking Palm Springs with my old uh, Rolls Royce, uh, uh, the... Is it a silver phantom? Yeah. From the 1970s. Yeah. Um, and not understanding how the world has changed. Yeah. The last time you were working on a film that was eligible for inclusion, it was like Serpico. Yes. And since then, you've just been wintering in Boca Raton. Yeah. It was before Woody Allen raped his daughter. Before she was even born. Exactly. Yeah. It got dark, folks. Sorry. It's going <coughs> to happen when mm-hmm. you have me and Mel on together, pun intended. Oh, dark. Oh, yeah, I get it. I had to go back a couple of yeah. sentences for that. 
But yeah, uh, we'll get deeper into throwing shade on uh, the academy and the industry in general, but uh, to pile on our favorite topic, the one we love to constructively criticize, uh, TIFF as a festival and uh, their website specifically. They just sent out one of their surveys. Uh, As a member, you can volunteer to give them uh, feedback. It's basically kind of like them having user groups that they never Mm -hmm. actually pay for or um, make changes based on their feedback. Yeah, it's it's sort of so they can know what makes people the angriest. And I feel like when they send these surveys out, they're expecting normal yes-no answers. And then there's me. So they have... There was, I don't know how many questions were in this thing, because there were a few um, yes-no radio buttons that I didn't bother to copy out. But one of the things that they had in here was, um, did you feel well-informed about all things festival this past year? And I went deep on them, everything (laughs) from assigned seating to uh, personnel changes. I don't think they were... I kind of forgot all about assigned seating. So my answer in here was about the change to the seating model, brackets, again. Uh, for certain theaters, it was poorly communicated to both uh, long-time and new festival goers. Unless and until the issue with what I assume is a technical byproduct of the Ticketmaster relationship, having seat numbers on all tickets, that is not valid, except yeah. for some theaters, this or will continue to be yeah. a nuisance. Because they all say GA, except when they don't say GA. Yeah. I also think the volume of... Uh, personnel and program related changes is a concern if i were a filmmaker film goer they may have been confident that most of oh say the colin getty's midnight madness and vanguard selections would result in a good festival experience i would have liked to know earlier about the changes there if anything it would have been great to pay him as a consultant to have him offer his top picks to help people this year to transition who had to dig through the content in other programs to find Colin type movies. I'm hoping for a bit more transparency early after earlier this year, we found out about the departure of Jesse Wendy as his POV may have also lined up with festival goers in a similar way. And these people will feel adrift come selection time. Yeah. So these are the kind of, uh, if you will, uh, back to Melinda's metaphor, salty old, Palm Springs man answers that I gave to a survey where they're expecting very like, yes, no, or I find it hard to find current playing times. Yeah. But in general, and I know we are sort of at that point in the year where if they are going to fix anything, they they have enough time now, in theory. And if they could pick one thing to fix, I think for me, it is the seat numbers. Well, I I will have to, I mean, I I begrudgingly uh, have to admit the last two years, um, improvements have been made but this is after many many years of the festival on a steady downward slope so they seem to of course correct it so hopefully the trending is upward and they're actually taking uh, people's feedback seriously um, because I mean we know like the, the festival is in trouble as they say um, so if they don't adapt and actually um, lean into what people are telling them then you're gonna get more and more erosion um, and it ain't going to be what it, what it used to be. I'm also just concerned in general that if they have the same kind of instability because of the leadership change that may be coming in but hasn't actually happened yet, we will see another sort of weird year where it's like a rebuilding year. There aren't that many um, films that are specifically premiere at the festival, yeah. uh, the programs aren't as delineated, and you'll just have a 
like a dump of stuff in your special presentations. And then the only one that will be sort of really easy to pick out as uniquely curated would be like, I guess, Tom's doc stuff. And then everything else, like your contemporary world cinema and whatever, like... Now, all that stuff has lost its distinction over the years. Yeah. Anyway, like, special presentations used to uh, comprise a much smaller portion of the festival. Uh, now, there are... There are so many. It's just... It basically... Um, it is every movie with somebody who you know in it. Anybody who's a bankable movie star... Um, if they're in a film, the chances are it's going to be in um, um, special presentations. Whereas in the past, you would, even in contemporary world cinema, you got a lot more, um, you know, there was a chance that you could have, a, like, let me come up with some actor, like um, maybe Lupita Nyong'o, mm. and she made a movie. Or that raspy-voiced... Uh, Harlan? Act, I think, is she Iranian or... <laughs> Shahayash Daglu. Yeah. It's my favorite name to say. Yeah. Yeah, Shahayash Daglu. Yeah. I love saying that name. Uh, yeah, like you, you <laughs> it always, yeah, so I guess contemporary world cinema always used to be, there used to be like little uh, surprises. You'd be like, oh, I didn't know that Shahayash Daglu went back to Tehran and made a movie. Whereas now, when you go to contemporary world cinema, it'd always be guaranteed you'd never heard of anybody. Um, and I think that kind of diminishes from, um, from the program overall, because for someone like me, you have limited. You have if anything, if tickets. she's in a movie, they're gonna suck that into special presentations. No, that's exactly what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Like, but in the past, movies that would have been in contemporary world cinema, even with a uh, with a known actor in them, they would have stayed in that program. Now it's almost by default. If there's a movie with somebody who has any profile, that is a special presentation automatically. And if it's a bad movie, then it's a go. Yeah. But they've sort of changed their <laughs> approach to how they program based on uh it's not really based on theme or content it's really based on i mean this is like you know one of the complaints over the years is that it's become more more glitzy more about the celebrities more about who they can get into the into town for the front half of the cinema uh, sorry of, of the festival so if you have someone like a um, i don't know we'll go with like an army hammer or something uh even somebody at that level who's not like he's not super famous um but they will try to maximize on the availability and the appearance of a famous person more than they will on the movie. So I think that really kind of like skews the programming a lot because it's not about the films. It's really about um, how much press can we get because someone famous isn't it. Exactly. So we'll see what happens this year. But if they could even have, if they're going to continue to contract the programs, I would like to see more of that delineation that makes it easier to select and yeah just from a practical operational standpoint uh, I'd still love the the seat numbers to be improved Um, one of the things that they also were asking a lot of questions around out was uh, who communicates uh, with you well and what other organizations websites do you frequent and there was like a list of sort of art um, organization based sites sort of ROM and other things and for both of these, I, I called out the fact that the AGO has been doing a great job and that their website's easy to navigate. And if I go there within one or two clicks, I don't have to parse language to figure out where I just see what exhibits are coming up. Right. Whereas on TIFF, they sort of have this weird like year-round oh, films and events. And so it's festival, like, just yeah. you're a freaking movie theater for like 90% of the year. I still 
contend that TIFF Nat should just be about TIFF. It's the Toronto International Film Festival. So don't put everything on that website. Like, actually keep it, like, put it in its own sandbox and have everything else be whatever. I don't know. What is what is the rest? Oof. What's the name of the organization? Is that TIFF too? Mm-hmm. Well, they, they need to figure that out. Because it's two things, but it's, it's a difference without distinction, or it's a distinction without difference. I'm not even sure which, but I think what it actually does come to festival time, which is, they're huge, that's going to be the biggest driver of traffic. I shouldn't have to figure out how to buy a ticket or how to find out what's being programmed. Um, I don't really care about what book um, has been made into a movie that they're going to talk about. I'll find that um, for the other 11 months of the year on a general website for the light box or whatever. But they've almost done that in that previously it was harder to find the festival info. Now they've surfaced festival uh, info in the navigation to the point where if you just want to go there now and see Call Me By Your Name, that's not the easiest click to find. I mean, right now it's like one of the top cartridges, but in general... Oh, you mean to actually go and... Yeah, like their their site navigation, it still surfaces... You know, kind of festival yeah, stuff right. over yeah, just I mean. basic like I, ticketing things. I just wish they would just like separate the two completely. I think it muddies the waters because it's you know like one side I would argue is probably more for members or for people who want to go to the light box and watch movies, and the the other one is for like the you know the tens of thousands of people who come into town for two weeks to watch movies, and they're very different audiences. I mean, there's a lot of overlap, I'm sure, but. It's, I, yeah, it's just, I shouldn't have to try to figure it out each time I go. And, you know, for the, you know, one time a year, arguably, that I go, I'm always confused as about um, where to find um, listings of what's playing during the festival. Yeah, and AGO this year, and the Guillermo exhibit's a great example. They did a fantastic job of, like, I'm within two clicks. I'm either buying a ticket or I know that they have certain movie showing related to... <coughs> his past productions or there's other events around the exhibit. I know easily either via the site or their social media that they actually extended the exhibit for, I think about a week and a half past the dates it was originally scheduled to end. And they had record breaking numbers for that exhibit. Like, and it shows how, even though they don't have a site that can handle heavy traffic well, they just did a much better job of communicating. And then right. when immediately after it switched over to this Infinity Mirror exhibit that's yeah, coming I up, get me a ticket for that. I got blocked out of the first block of tickets that they sold out, but they were so transparent. Like on that site, they said, our site can't handle it, so we're doing it in blocks. And it gave you like a clear... Uh, number in the queue yeah. it gave you a way to like go away and come back oh, really? so you got like an email i didn't get tickets but at least you would get an email <laughs> but you knew that you weren't gonna get tickets yeah i knew and i sort of knew that they had a plan for that because they were like we're doing you know a block every morning over the next few days right. which is more which i guess is there's some fairness yeah and then they sold out the first block yeah. and then it says very clearly on the site yeah. now when the next block is going to be available <laughs> for sale i think it's starting like march 6 or something so oh, I know to plan ahead oh, better okay. next time. So like last time I had meetings like right around the time that the site opened up for sale at 10 a.m. And this time I'll just like look ahead in my calendar, well, yeah. block out those mornings, the first Still two mornings. I might though. I, people you I might. work with got oh, really? tickets, like actually, maybe not the first day, but they got them the second day. I was actually just going to buy one on Kijiji. Yeah. You can get a ticket for like 50 bucks. So I'm, <coughs> I just like that they were able to find a way to handle that. When I was listening to... Uh, podcast, another podcast, Empire Podcast, and they had Jason Isaacs and Sonequa Martin-Green on. She was talking about being in Toronto 
during the festival, they were probably shooting stuff for Star Trek. She wanted to buy a ticket for Death of Stalin, the movie her coworker was in, and she tried to get it through the TIFF website and couldn't. And it was just like a throwaway comment in another podcast because she was saying how she hadn't seen his movie. And I'm just, oh, TIFF. If you can't let Michael Burnham from television Star Trek Discovery navigate your site, who's living here as a full-time Torontonian and trying to go the regular Joe route to get a ticket, then uh, what hope is there for the rest of us? Well, who would have thought her um, co-star maybe could have hooked her up, but anyway. I don't even know if he was seeing the movie, though. I, I saw one of the screenings, and he showed up very much in his like sort of day look of like blue t-shirt and like Jay's cap. And he was probably just scampering away from set for a couple hours and going true, back. True, true. But, you know, yeah. you would have thought he'd have a few in his back pocket. But maybe they're not close like that. Yeah, maybe they weren't then. Maybe, they, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was early days, actually. Yeah, hey, it was for, it's first season. <laughs> By the way, I'm loving that show. I don't know if you watch any track. Uh, no, I think I, I've watched the first two um, episodes, and the Klingons... Like, I, I'm not a huge Star Trek fan anyway, um, and... Uh, I found the Klingons aggressively Klingon. Yes. And I'm not trying to um, watch Klingon subtitles. Um, you know, I... I you it know, does force you to not second screen because you have... It's it's much like Game of Thrones where occasionally somebody's spitting some hot Dothraki right. fire. And, and I guess, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I am hardly, you know, uh, a Philistine. And if there's a movie that is in a, another language or it's, you know, or it's... Because I'm actually watching this... Uh, this t- no, TV show. It's British. It's called um, McMafia, and uh, you know it's it's set all over the world. So people are speaking Israeli. So it's one of these shows where people are actually speaking the language that their characters would speak. They're not speaking Russian with an English accent. When there's two Russian people, they're speaking in Russian. So yeah, I can get with the subtitles for that. But I mean, Klingon is made up gibberish. So I'm like, ugh, this is like it's not like I'm watching a French New Wave film. I don't feel like watching subtitles. Um, because then the old Klingons just grunt a few words in Klingon and then only speak in English. Well, as each, as each show has happened in the universe, they've added more to the actual language. And now, I, I'd say by yeah, the time yeah, you got yeah. to uh, Deep Space Nine, there would be full-on conversations in Klingon. And I guess like the thing, like when you when you go back to Game of Thrones and you know the Khaleesi's speaking High Valerian, like that's like yeah, like you know you got there's some. I actually think there's. I mean, we're getting way yeah, too far. yeah, but. <laughs> But I, but I just think it's it's a better written show. So when she's she's making these these speeches, you're like, God damn, this is it sounds good. Yeah. And what she's saying is good. And I'm just like, Klingon sounds terrible. And when you're reading the subtitles, I'm just like, eh, well, okay. And honestly, Khaleesi is legit spitting hot fire in the mm-hmm. case of when she drops a Dirkaris. I'm. Yes. It is beautiful. Yeah. Like hearing her and Masandi chat back and forth yeah, yeah, in awesome. High Valyrian is it's quite lovely. So yeah, you know, we'll see. I'm loving it, but I was built to love that show. Yeah. I, I do like that the show's gone straight up crazy town banana pants from the beginning. It's not following in terms of like build and storyline pacing any of the conventional Trek things where you don't do a lot of crazy stuff until let's say your fifth or sixth season. They're going in directions where the craziest fan theory is being proven not just right, but they're revealing it by, you know, the eighth or ninth episode. Right. But that's, I mean, which is good. I mean, that's the base of storytelling is very different than um, when, the, when the next generation was on. 
their costumes are fire. Costume designer, black woman. And they are great. Oh, I thought you meant literally fire. They, like, what? What do you mean? I... Like, like in uh, the Hunger Games? Uh, there's a... You know what? You're not watching the show, no, so I don't want to talk know. about the costumes because yeah. what part of the new costumes is related to a major plot mm. point. Mm. But yeah, they're great. Anyway, loving that show. Uh, overall, uh, the last question where this is one of the easiest things for them to implement that I think they'll do, possibly because I know they're secretly still listening to my podcast, is around, is there information you're looking for on the tiff.net site you weren't able to find? To which I replied, it's weird that not all the films have information about who's in it. Uh, basically, Tiff is making me go offsite to IMDb to find basic uh, top-level cast information. So on the Tiff site now, like during the festival, yeah. you have a list of almost all of your IMDb type information oh, around right. cast and behind the camera so that, talent. That goes away. They don't have that during the regular like season. I mean, well, sorry, you, so um, they don't have it for movies that play at the festival, or they don't have it for a movie that's playing it at the at the light box. They don't have it for a movie that's playing at the light box. Okay. okay, well then, okay, but fair enough. But if I went to like the Cineplex site, does do I know? I know genre. I know running time. I don't think. I'm not sure. I'd have to look. Does it tell me who the cast is? Like I can almost forgive that. I I could again, but you're not Cineplex Tiff. You're working in allegedly quality and not quantity. Well, yeah, true, true, true. But but, but I would almost <laughs> kick that back to um to knowing their audience. Who I would think that most people who go to see a movie at the Lightbox know exactly what movie they're going to see. They're not just some Joe or Josephine, whomever, who just like have come in and say, you know, what's the next movie that's playing? Actually, you know what? Maybe Correction, the Cineplex site does list all of that. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go to movie details. The Cineplex site, when if I go to a Director? movie page, oh, right. gives me, oh. for, for Star Wars, it literally gives me a Mark list Hamill, of hyperlinked sure? names yes, that I'm is insane. Exactly, I'm looking at exactly the same thing. Yeah. And all the cast members, of whom there are many. Whereas uh, on the TIFF site, if I go to Call Me By Your Name, I get this very sparse page, and that's it. Oh. Nothing else. I scroll, and I go to their... They got a fat header, a fat footer, and not so much as a Timothy Chalamet to be seen. Like, I can see a picture of him in the stills. But he, All I see is the director's yeah, name. Yeah, and the, the the names are only there in the description of the movie, but it's not like yeah. a cast listing or any credit. You're, you're right. <coughs> well, so what's up, Tiff? <coughs> You've actually made somehow managed to make a barely usable site less useful. Oh, well done. Mazel. I mean, I love that the movie name is there in what appears to be at least like a 30-point font. I guess that's extra accessible. Mm. But... <clears throat> yeah, I'm struggling with some... Oh, my bad. <laughs> Font size is 64 pixels. Oh. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I'm not even. I'm just saying. I get that we're iterating through some of the site changes. There have been huge improvements like over what you originally had in the kind of orange treatment that was there pre-TIFF 40. But some of the changes that have gone on in the past couple of years have made it less useful. And I need to go off-site to research. Right. Which is, I'm assuming, not what your goal is since you've already taken the major function of buying tickets and you shoot people out to the Ticketmaster site. So you want to keep people on your site, I assumed, for as long as possible to get content and information. And so they stay and do things like read the review 
and look at the other programming. But if you're going to make this a site that is literally, I only find out day and time. And then I go out to Ticketmaster to buy tickets. How are you keeping me here to entice me into either if I'm not a member purchasing or laddering up my existing level of membership? But you know, whatever, it's your site. Well, okay, so um, on that note, do you think we should maybe... Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to top up our glasses, and then we're going to talk about some small portion of the nominations for the 90th Oscar celebration. So we could go in uh, Issa Rae order, which would be rooting for everyone black first. Yeah, well, I'm not rooting for everyone black. I don't think Denzel deserved his nomination. However, I did see The Equalizer. Right. You should have gotten nominated for that. Well, you don't have to. You could root for Blacker because for acting and reading leading role, you've got Denzel in the same category as Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I would. I would uh, um, so yeah. in a category where so if so by some fine. miracle there there's fine. two black people, you vote you root for right. the the black it, or the Barry. Is it uh, Mary J or is it Octavia? I mean, that's that's tough. They're pretty close in uh, tone there. Well, I have. Oh, not in terms of uh, skin tone. I'm talking in terms of performance. Okay. Oh, well, well, I'll take back to, yeah. to my bound in the, the shape of water. Later. But yeah, let's start with actor in a leading role because that's a category where we have two people of color, uh, and also Daniel Day Lewis, Timothy Chalamet, and Gary Oldman. So yeah. here's the thing: if I were to bet my actual own money on someone, I would probably go Gary Oldman. Is that even- And I would go, my runner-up vote would be for Daniel Day-Lewis, because although I haven't seen Phantom Thread yet, everybody I know who has seen it is like... Loved it. Exactly. Um, This is one of the rare years where where I've seen, I think I've seen every Best Picture nominee, having seen the post just last night. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Gary Oldman is your, I mean, there's just, this year is just like, there's just too much to process. Gary Oldman is going to win. He's won every major award so far. And he Um, hasn't won an Oscar yet, right? No, but he's also... Problematic, but I think his type of problematic behavior um, is he hasn't uh, raped anybody, so I got that we know of. Yeah, that we know of. So like domestic abuse and hating Jews is like that's that's okay. Um, I look at Mel Gibson. Yeah, well, I mean, most of his uh, anti-Semitic rhetoric was in defense of Mel Gibson. So I think Gary Goldman will win, um, but I, based on sheer performance. I mean, I didn't like Darkest Hour. It's not a movie that I was ever going to like. So even with the Gary Oldman of it all, it just, to me, it seems like uh, it's happening in the same universe as Downton Abbey. There's like this sort of like plinky plonky uh, piano score uh, that's meant to be quirky. You have uh, Lily James, who is actually in Downton Abbey, playing his sort of like always abused secretary you have Kristen Scott Thomas playing his put upon uh, wife Clemmy and there's so much speechifying in this movie and there is so much prosthetic acting it is just it's uh you know and and you know full disclosure I maybe watched 45 minutes of the movie I couldn't watch anymore like I knew first of all we know history tells us how this all turned out you know I had to endure and the king's speech and the, and uh and the crown So it's just you know I have no interest in Winston Churchill because I've seen so many portrayals of Winston Churchill. There's nothing that this performance adds. It just seems like Gary Oldman. um, What about Kristen Scott Thomas? No, it's just like it's very it's a very um, twee 
lighthearted movie. It's a Joe Wright joint, but it feels like a um, like a Stephen Frears joint almost. It's too. It's too. Oh, isn't he a charming old scamp kind of movie? It just. It just. It's to me. It's the kind of movie that fifteen years ago the Academy would have embraced. It's very traditional, very old school. There's nothing extraordinary about the performances or about the film at all. And it's just like one of these things. It's like, yes, Gary Oldman, we love him. He doesn't have an Oscar. I guess he's getting an Oscar this year because Chalamet and Kaluuya, they have names that are hard to pronounce. They're young. We haven't seen them do anything else. Daniel, I mean, but my my sentimental favorite is Daniel Day-Lewis because if this really is his last performance, I'm going to get a chance to give him another Oscar. I think he's going to pull a Jay-Z and keep coming back. I certainly hope so. But But the Phantom Thread is a delightful movie. It's not what it was marketed as. It actually is this sort of like quirky... Um, I don't want to call it a love story. It's something more than that. But it's not about some repressed fashion designer in the 50s who sews notes into, into costumes. It's something altogether different. And it's delightful. And I had, it's one of the most um, enchanting times I had in a movie theater this year. I was delighted. Well, allegedly, it was one of the later screeners to go yes. out. So that one may build. That may be the well, surprise yeah. win. Because it surged at the end. Like, no one was talking about it. Um, and now it's got, um, I think, four Academy Award nominations, two for acting. Um, and it did just sort of like come, it just came through at the very last minute. So hopefully that um, momentum keeps it going. But then I also love Daniel Kaluuya. So like, you know, there's probably about, um, like I'm looking at this list, if Chalamet, Day-Lewis, or Kaluuya won, I wouldn't be mad at any of it. Here's the thing. Really I mad. feel like because of the running time and... For even possibly your older Oscar voters, the accessibility of the first two acts of Get Out, people who may have even been avoiding it thus far may have been like, well, let me have a look at the screener now that, you know, the nominations are in for director and actor. And unlike most genre films, there's nothing to startle you until the turn on that film. And I also feel like a lot of much like how I find those first two acts disturbing because it's sort of like anytime I first meet uh, parents or family friends of somebody mm-hmm. from the other side of the fence, mm-hmm. for them, they would sort of see it as, oh, he's overreacting and this yeah, is yeah, funny. Yeah. And then the <laughs> turn comes. By the time the turn comes, you're invested. And Again, if you're an old-timey Oscar voter, you're like, that's Catherine Keener. There's Bradley Whitford. You know, unless you're hardcore Cabin in the Woods, you don't see that turn coming with him either. So I think that he has has an outside chance. And in general, I'm I'm just curious uh, who I think will probably win. Gary Oldman, who I think will win if all of those things you brought up about Darkest Hour, people realize, mm. will be Daniel Day-Lewis. But who I still think has an outside chance, Daniel Kaluuya. I mean, I hope so, but I don't think... Um, I mean, we weren't even sure he was going to get nominated. When he got nominated, I was I was happy with that. I mean, like, and really, like, I mean, I love the movie. This is always the thing. It's like, you know, like, which of your children do you love the most? But when I think... Because uh, I tried to get really honest, like, without trying to bring politics in it, we're talking about representation or anything, and I'm trying to think, you know, whose performance uh, will, like for me, it's like, which performance do I think about the most? Which one do I keep going back to? Um, and actually, you know, I, you know, I did not see Roman J. Israel Esquire. I've seen everything else nominated. Yeah, like it's a, it's a Daniel Day-Lewis Phantom Thread uh, character that I, it's both him and Daniel Kaluuya. I keep on going back to both of them. Mm-hmm. 
but then I think, you know, who was more essential to their film? And I think it was probably Daniel Day Lewis. So like it's 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 tough. Like it's it's not an easy choice to make, but if I had a gun to my head, I'd probably go with Daniel Day Lewis. All right. But I wouldn't be upset if if if, if Daniel won. Oh, they're both Daniel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they won't even know until they get to the second name. So the camera, watch the camera, watch the face bump. Okay. To whoever is opening that envelope, first of all, we all know this year, y'all better not fuck around. Second, don't do a long pause between the first name and the second and or middle last name. Just just skip to the skip to the end if it's a Daniel when you open that envelope, please. And let's jump over to directing where. It's definitely not like the all-male Golden Globe list of nominees. Oh, and just uh, going back to to um, actor, I actually saw um, Hostiles just last week. Um, I think that was one of, was that one of Floyd's favorites? Yes. Yeah. And it was fucking amazing, and Christian Bale was really good, but it just, the movie came out, not part of the conversation, poor timing, so yeah. So there's, it's like this list wouldn't be my list. Yeah. Um, moving on. Yeah, I'm not going to feel sorry for Kristen Bale either. He'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, he'll be, he'll be fine. But it's a great movie. It's just a really great movie. But speaking of things related to Christian Bale, uh, Dunkirk is one of the weird, in most years, it wouldn't be an outlier, but this year it is, in that it doesn't have as many nominations as people may have thought when yeah, that movie when first came out. It's a full time, um, very, very big. But it is still one of those. He had a lot of heavy lifting to do, directing job movies. Yeah. So I still think there's like a, he's like my outside chance person. As director? Yeah. I don't think he'll win, <laughs> but I honestly, if I had to put my money, because again, yes, they made a lot of changes to the voting body, but just making changes to the voting body, that's shown some shift in who gets nominated. There haven't been as many surprises in yeah, who yeah. actually wins. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be Guillermo. Yeah. Or Paul Thomas Anderson. and But I think Nolan, for this year, for the first time in ages, has an outside chance because it's not a genre film. It's like a straight-ahead kind of war thing. And it's got almost, I think, if not all, white people in it. Yes, so, it does. I feel like for your, your older cohort of the Academy block, they might slide one into him. For Jordan Peele and both Greta Gerwig... The nomination is the award. It really is. Mm-hmm. Like, for sometimes people say it's an honor just to be nominated, but for these two, they legit have to. And especially for both of them, because people were like, oh, it's going to be either one or the other. Yeah. So the fact that they both got nominated is, I think... Crazy. Uh, but, but it's a real reflection of how the makeup of the Academy, like those changes made just in the last couple of years, have made a huge impact. Um, I don't know if it's enough to shift the needle. But um, it's enough to at least shift the demographics of people yeah. watching the show. I mean, as someone pointed out, for the first time ever, the majority of nominees are not white men. There's yeah. only two white men of five, and that's pretty incredible. That is amazing. But um, I think um, I think Guillermo's going to win, and I think he deserves to win, um, because there's like this, you know, as much as I love Phantom Thread, and it is a delight, like just for the full 360 experience, The Shape of Water is just a, it's, there's... Like it, to me, it's always like, what movie is sui generis? Like, what? There's nothing else like it. So it feels like a movie that was made in the 1950s or 60s. Well, I guess what I'm going to do is completely reverse what I said by saying that's nothing like it. But it's almost like when uh, uh, Todd Haynes made those Douglas Sirk style movies, it's 
the movie that would have been made in the era if during the 1950s and 60s we were real about race and sexuality mm-hmm. and uh, and other things because it it feels very much a like it's it's a very good period piece. It feels like it was made in that era. It's very era specific in a way that Phantom Thread isn't. Phantom Thread is set in the 50s, but it feels like a contemporary movie. Shape of Water to me feels like a real loving uh, homage to movies that were made during that time. And yet set very clearly in our city in a couple of spaces that are super recognizable. Yeah, well, yeah. Like that it, diner it's, it's is... It's hard to describe Toronto. Uh, to, uh, to, yeah. to uh, disguise Toronto. That, that diner is obviously the Lakeview. Uh-huh. And I know the next time I go in there, I'll have a bit of a stutter step of almost being expecting to be turned away at the counter <laughs> before I proceed yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I loved, I shot, talked about Shape of Water nonstop before the festival. It was the one I was most looking forward to going in. Uh, it wasn't my favorite because one of the other problematic movies when we get into Best Picture, Three Billboards, was my favorite coming out of, of the yeah, festival. Mine too. But yeah, overall, uh, I'm with you. I want Guillermo for the win on yeah. directing, 100%. And I think that out of the long shots, if all of these other guys split the vote and one of the long shots sort of squeaks through, who would you prefer to see? Obviously, for speech, Jordan Peele's would be way funnier. Even if he's yeah. trying to be super sincere, he's yeah. going to still be hilarious. Uh, but who would you emotionally and or based on the film want to win out of let's say the other dudes all end up canceling each other out, yeah. much like how Michael Stuhlbarg, I think, canceled himself out oh, of supporting yeah. actor. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Peele for Get Out or Greta Gerwig oh, for Lady Bird? Hands down, Get Out. Get Out was one of my um, my favorite movies of last year. I Every time I see a clip from it, I'm like, oh my God, this movie is so fucking good. No, I liked Lady Bird, but um, a couple of years ago there was a um, oh, the movie with Haley's... Uh, Edge of 17. Ever- to me, Lady Bird isn't a world away from Edge of Seventeen. Um, you know, I like Lady Bird. I don't have this thing where because there's so many people who uh, have this very personal connection to it, or it looks like their relationship with their mother, or how they grew up, or what it was like for them. Mine was um, closer to Itania. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> but I don't see any of myself in in Lady Bird, and I guess is you know it becomes like personal, right? But Get Out, yeah, I've been that person in certain social settings I'm just like oh yeah. um, this is not like this is not a space where I am normally and I don't feel it that often but when I do feel it I feel it acutely yes um, so to me and get out the fact that it is a uh, that it is a uh, it's an, is a genre film that completely taps into that sort of sense that, of foreboding and forbidding that you feel when you're a person of color in an exclusively white space and you don't know, like, am I overreacting? Or you don't know how to read the room. And, you know, it gave us the sunken place. It made me love Alison Williams and I didn't think I could ever love anyone from Girls. It gave me so much. And Lady Bird was an enjoyable afternoon at the theater, but it was nothing more than that for me. All right. So, yeah, like, hands down, Jordan Peele. And we're going to jump to Best Picture. Uh, what do you think will win? Um, I think that three billboards uh, outside Evan... Um, Missouri, well, hold on. Um, I'm going to retract what I just said. Um, so I would have said that because it's been, uh, it's been kind of like a juggernaut this award season, but Martin McDonough was not nominated for Best Director and Best, um, it's not that Best Director and Best Picture go hand in hand, but for the director not to be nominated um, is kind of rare. Most movies that don't have a Best Director nomination 
don't win. So I'm going to I'm going to go with Shape of Water. So I th- yeah I think I think Shape of Water will will win, and if not Shape of Water, then obviously um, three billboards. I agree with you. I do also think again if I'm betting my own money on like a runner up, three billboards, mm-hmm. and I think again the one I would most like to see win is Get Out, and I think the outside shot, very outside shot, is Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, I think that's an outside shot. Too. Yeah. I mean, the only reason that I think, I'm, and I'm gonna you know throw a spanner in the works and say Phantom Thread. The only reason mm. I say that is because this movie. It's a movie that a lot of people had given up on, and it's made this late um, surge and sometimes the recency bias. Like the fact that it could break through at the end of the year through all the great movies that we've seen and to have it show up on multiple nominations makes me think that people are going to be really, really, really hype on Phantom Thread. So I wouldn't be, like, I wouldn't be shocked if Phantom Thread um, won. I would be shocked if, you know, if, if Get Out won. I wouldn't look like I just don't think it's ever going to happen. And I wouldn't be shocked if Three Billboards didn't win just because, and a lot of the sort of podcasts and film criticism that I've been hearing from your earnest granola-eating liberal Caucasian types has been coming down on the side of how problematic Three Billboards is, to which I say, feel your feelings, your opinion's valid, and maybe... To me, I don't find it as problematic because I actually quite like the honest, more honest portrayal of the fact that there are trash people out there in the world that are often supported by people you like. So the fact that the Rockwell character is protected and endorsed by the Harrison character is not something that is surprising to me. It's not something that I find as uh, that disturbing that the nameless kind of faceless uh individual who was beaten by the rockwell character before the movie starts is only referred to by a racial epithet i feel like with the never-ending onslaught of images and videos of people of color being abused by the police it has almost become like you know just insert most recent hashtag here and the the real issue is that ongoing that there's a lack of desire to see these hashtags as individuals and you're either protesting or protesting the protest. So some of the the things that people raise, I get that that's how they feel. I actually quite enjoy the fact that it was a portrayal of some really um, shitty people doing interesting things, yeah. which is what you expect from a Madonna film. I mean, it's kind of like... Um... <coughs> the um, like the backlash against downsizing, you know, people finding all this um, like the Hong Chao character being problematic. Well, you know what? If she didn't find the character problematic, and she played her and she made choices in playing her, um, I'm like, you know what? Like maybe I'm gonna defer to to her on whether or not this is a problematic performance or not. I mean, I'm a, it, it's different because in in three billboards, you know, black characters are except for two, are entirely absent from the story. But I feel like, you know, and I'm just as guilty as, of this as anybody, but the outrage machine is so tightly coiled that we're looking, like, mm-hmm. everything has to be problematic, everyone has to be problematic, and we'll go digging until we find something that's problematic so that we can, you know, uh, show how woke we are sometimes. I think 
sometimes we do go too far. Um, and like I said, like I'm, I'm the first one to fly off the handle, but um, I think, um, especially for someone who leans very far to the left, um, I think sometimes I, when I find myself at odds with things that other people find problematic, I'm like, hmm, you know what? Like I think like I trust my bona fides, I trust my own politics. So if I don't feel like I like I'm not just gonna lockstep and go along with it and find it problematic because my experience of watching three boards at TIFF was very pleasurable. Best movie I saw at TIFF. It was fun. It was funny. It was fierce. Um, so uh, I think I would be sort of betraying myself if at the end I was like, you know what, it was problematic. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like I have my own mind. I don't need someone to tell me how to feel after the fact. And you know, for all of these critics. I'm not criticizing your reaction because it's 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 nice that you're finally noticing and that your reaction is perhaps so visceral and emotional might be for some of you because you just started noticing this stuff. Whereas this is, I've had to live with this my whole life. So different things, they don't hit me as hard. Yeah. Like it's the hell that I'm going to die on is on billboards. Yeah. Uh, If I felt this one is much as some of the people I've heard review it felt it, mm. I wouldn't even be able to function in the real world. Yeah, like there's yeah. a lot of... Uh, I was actually quite surprised. I was like, what? Yeah. This is the movie that we're... we're this we're, is where we're getting our, like, liberal backlash? Yeah, three like, billboards? This is interesting. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. but hey, you know what? You guys do you. It's great that you're noticing this stuff and now. Talking, and we're talking about it. So yeah. I think... We're happy <coughs> you're noticing... Uh, in another 10 years, you'll sort of understand the different degrees yeah. to which... And your feelings aren't wrong, so... Yeah, 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 it's, yeah it's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. fine. Yeah. yeah. I just have yeah. different opinions. And uh, for the movie that would be the most, like, surprising... Huh. I'd say The Post. I think if The Post Ooh. somehow squeaks through after not getting, you know, a Tom Hanks nomination again and not being as awarded throughout award season, if somehow everything else cancels each other out and the post somehow sneaks through, I think that would be like this year's kind of crash situation. Um, yeah, I... Um, and it, not because it's bad, but just because it's no. not any... It's not something that people are pulling for. It's not something that people are like, this movie needs to win to send a message to, you know, the people who are saying, call me by your name, can't win because Moonlight won last year. Yeah. Or the people who are saying Get Out can't win because obviously, or yeah, Lady Bird can't, um, or you oh. know, Shape of Waters to whatever, artsy. yeah, artsy fairy tale nonsense. Well, to be perfectly honest, I think the, um, I mean, I saw the post. I did not like the post. You know, it's amazing that um, they managed to put together this movie in nine months. They started shooting in May of last year. Uh, it's got a huge cast. Um, of but it's almost like there's the cast is too recognizable like every i mean they have like bob odenkirk and david cross in this movie playing serious roles and and then you have like carrie coon and tracy letts who are married so there's like all of these like you, there's like it works on all these meta levels isn't bradley whitford in that one too yeah but yeah bradley whitford's in it jesse plemons who's in everything is jesse plemons was also in hostiles hostiles is a great movie like he's in it and he, like he's just been popping up on my radar t- everywhere this um, in the last couple of, uh, of months. But the movie itself, so it has like almost like there's too many cameos, there's too many recognizable people in small roles. So that's distracting. Um, the movie itself is, I was like, huh? So I mean, I, you know, I, I, um, I didn't really know much about the Pentagon Papers. 
Um, there's this documentary called uh, The Most Dangerous Man in America, which is specifically about Daniel Ellsberg and his leaking of the Pentagon Papers. So, and I've seen that, but that was really from his point of view. It wasn't about the story that broke afterwards. And at, it gets a, it's a very weird movie because it turns out that the New York Times broke the story, and then there was um, the Attorney General sought an injunction against the New York Times uh, to prevent them from publishing the papers. So basically, the Washington Post is like, ha, 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 let's go in and get ours. So we're going to publish them because the injunction's not against us. So it's not even like they broke the story. So it feels very oddly deflated. It's just like, huh. And once again, we know what happened. Um, this like History tells us what happened, so there's no tension in terms of what the outcome is going to be. Um, so that counts against it. It's not, you know, Steven Spielberg's best um, movie recently. And also, I think uh, Spotlight, which is like what a couple of years ago, was a much better um, movie about journalism and breaking that story and a story that had huge impacts. And I didn't know um, sort of the beat to that story or even ultimately how it turned out. So I think I think Spotlight, because you know people love Spotlight, and it's recent enough that I think that's going to hurt. The post. So, in my long-winded way of saying, again, I don't think the post really is going to make any. I, this year, I don't think it's, it has a, a hope in hell of of actually winning uh, best best picture. Outside chance if <coughs> before the voting closes, there is like real world news, real world actual impeachment slash mm. recording of something news that that helps it build a little. But I don't think so. I yeah, I'm with you. But it doesn't make the movie better. Like, no, it does. No, it doesn't yeah. make the movie better. It's and, just and any you know, every little bit of free publicity helps. And in a Weinstein-free world where there aren't as many, yeah. at least that I've seen, um, deliberate whisper campaigns, uh, it is oddly refreshing to have. Except for the weird three billboards backlash, mm. uh, there isn't that much in the way of this is scandalous. Like. The fact that Franco wasn't nominated, it yeah. sort of kept that the weird problem, kind of yeah. Casey Affleck conversation out of yeah. the nominees. So, you know. Except Kobe Bryant was nominated. Yes, Kobe Bryant was nominated. Actually, I am jumping to documentary, not uh, animated or short subject, but down to documentary feature because a movie that I saw two years ago at the festival oh, yeah, is there. And I would say that's my sentimental pick Ooh. just because... Directed by Steve James, you may know him as the person who wasn't nominated when he directed <coughs> Hoop Dreams. He's basically the person who made uh, documentaries a thing. Yeah. Like after Errol Morris and the Thin Blue Line, it was <clears throat> it was it was Hoop Dreams that people were like, "Why that should have been best film, let alone nominated for best documentary." Yeah, and that was the, the first time a I think a, in my memory a documentary snub made actual news. news. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. I would love it if Steve James would win, and I also would love it because that adorable family uh, oh, that's featured oh, and the the yeah. scandalous corruption in the New York uh, district attorney's office uh, that, you know, we've also had evidence of, I think, some of the same players even being involved in the non-prosecution uh, of Weinstein before and other yeah. things. Like, was- I would love it if they won for... So many reasons. This so, movie about race too, but it's like it's yeah. Well, it's not. I mean, right now. Um, I feel like they need a better PR company for this movie yeah. because they have a great story to tell that they yeah. could get a last minute surge. Uh, but the one I've heard more about, more chatter about, is Faces, Faces Places. places. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like 
I've seen, I've only seen Abacus. No, I saw Icarus as well, which is about uh, this guy who sort of, he, um, filmmaker Brian Fogel, sort of like, the whole thesis of the movie is that he's going to, he's a, he, he is a recreational um, bike rider, like, you know, like, he does like touring, like Tour de France type stuff, but not at that level. So his whole thing is like, I'm going to see if I could dope and go undetected. But in the course of doing that, he sort of um, finds his Russian doctor who is involved in doping, so it becomes much more uh, of a thing. Um, but I don't know, like this year's crop of documentaries is very ho-hum to me. Like Abacus is great, but yeah, it was, we saw it like not at the festival uh, last September, but the September before that. Um, and is this, I'm just kind of like, meh. Like even Step, which is a movie about those, those girls who, um, um, the step dancing girls in the charter school. Like to me, that was a, like, why not put that on here? Like, I just feel like documentaries in the last couple of years have just been kind of like, ho-hum. Yeah, like I haven't seen, I can't remember the last time I saw a great documentary is I guess what I'm trying to say. That is all. But, um, but I think that, um, Faces Places is going to win because that's the one that most people have heard of. Yeah. Yeah, everyone loves a rhyme. And, and, and it does sound charming, like what it is about. Sounds very charming to me, so I'm going to actually try to see it. But, I mean... Yeah. So, back to another category that a lot of people find interesting. <clears throat> Who's going to win for Actress in a Supporting Role? Lori Metcalf or Allison Janney? Allison Janney, unfortunately. I love Allison Janney. She's, you know, she's, she's a national treasure. I didn't like I, Tanya very much. Um, and I did. I, comma, did. Um, <coughs> I think Lori Metcalf is brilliant. And her, she has a lot. Um, like, Allison and Jenny is, like, that's a very large canvas that she's painting on. Like, that character is just right over the top. Um, Lori Metcalf has to be relatable, unlikable, believable. Um, you have to, you know, she is sometimes the antagonist, he's sometimes the protagonist of the movie. And I rep so hard for this TV show called Getting On that was on HBO for three years and Laurie Metcalf played this doctor. It's based on a, on a, on a BBC um, series. She was so good in it. She's such, like, uh, like, so to me what she's doing is so, is in a completely different class. Um, than what Alice and Janney is doing. But having said that, I think Leslie Mandel and Phantom Thread should really win. She's so good. And she got robbed for another year. And for speech that I would most like to see, obviously Mary J. Blige. Oh, God, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, she, you mean noted journalist, Mary J. Blige? Because she in- interviewed um, Hillary Clinton that one time. I feel she's like... A, she's a quadruple threat. Is that quadruple? I don't even know. She's how many, everything. How many ooples are in that She's threat? everything. I feel in that's that's that, a song called You Are Everything. Well, no, that oh god, I didn't even, but she is everything, so she was already in my head. I feel like that whole you know, trope slash you know, stereotype thing that they tell you know, children of color that you have to be twice as hard to get half mm-hmm. as much, like twice as good to get half as much. You know, your Mary J. Blige's. Or even like when Oprah was first in The Color Purple. Like you really realize like how good these women have to just be at all the things yes. just to get like their corner of what they deserve. What did you did, So that like Mary J. Blige is out there in the streets. Band, I haven't even seen it yet. Okay, well. But, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, but here's the thing. 
she's just okay? She's not that good. She's not that good. You don't think she's that good? No. like I I've heard people say she's good in it. I, you know, once again, I'm going to be in the minority. I did not like, I was so looking forward to Mudbound, and I did not like Mudbound. So, yeah, I'm just like, eh, I could have played this role, which is, I mean, I'm sure I couldn't have. But, yeah, like, I don't think she, Mary J. Blige has any business being on this list. But she's also nominated for so, uh, Song. She can sing. Okay. What would be hilarious is if Mary J. Blige left the Oscars with two Oscars. <laughs> that would be like something that's... Okay, you know what? I hope it happens just <laughs> so I can have something to rage about for the next year. Yeah. Fuck, she got two fucking Oscars and Jessica Chastain doesn't have one? Oh, yeah. I'll... I'll uh, yeah. If she leaves with two and Gary Oldman doesn't win, what? I can't wait for the think pieces. That, that's a trade-off that I, yeah. I'm willing to take. But yeah, yeah. No, just um, for the sheer hilarity of it, just for the salty white <laughs> tears of it all, I think that would be... I'm not going to watch the show again, listener. By the way, I stopped watching award shows shortly before the last election states because I couldn't bear to watch the hypocrisy of all of these late-night television hosts who helped get that individual elected by giving him free airtime, then go on stage in their tuxedos and mock the very joke they helped create. So I didn't watch any of the major award shows last year. haven't watched any of them so far. This year, I occasionally watch... I mean, I watch the Oprah speech, obviously. Yeah. Like, I'll watch clips after, but I, I'm not watching the show. I don't even stay up in the second screen on Twitter. I just let it happen and then read the summary the next day, and I feel like I've got countless hours back in my Sunday nights that I used to just <laughs> burn through in previous there's years. There's, like, basically three shows you have to watch during the season. What? There's Golden Globes, there's SAG, there's... Yeah, and the Oscars. Yeah, I, I, feel, don't, I, I, I don't I know with the Emmys. I feel like there's more now. Well, there, uh, there, I don't watch the Independent Spirit Awards because that's a bunch of nonsense. And it's, you know. So for song, I feel like yeah, I under what's more, I, I kind of do want Mary J. Blige to win. Uh, but okay. there's there's remember, a lot of song. a lot of buzz for River. The, either This Is, is that, Me or... Or that Sufjan Stevens song. Yes, the Sufjan yeah. Stevens song. I think a lot of people have been hype on that. I wonder if there's still an outside chance for... Coco. Yes, but I don't know if there's love or lack of love because this is the same couple that brought us the songs from Frozen. Oh. And But also Avenue Q in the case of Robert Lopez, so who knows? I mean, I've seen three of these movies and I can... Hold on. No, two. No, three. I can't tell you that... I mean, I remember the song from Coco because they play it uh, a million times. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, these are all garbage songs, and I don't uh, think we will be talking about them a year from now. It's no song by, uh, like, it's no It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp. None of these songs are. That, <laughs> that I remember. That, that I love six, that. Three Six Mafia has, a, has an Oscar, and Jessica Chastain does it. How about that? How about that? Well, Shaft has an Oscar, and Jessica Chastain doesn't. Shaft. May he rest. Who's Shaft? Shaft, uh, the the song Shaft, I think. Oh, Isaac for, Hayes. Oh, Isaac okay. Hayes. Yeah, yeah. he meant Samuel Jackson. Yeah, no, Jackson. not Samuel Jackson or uh, Richard Roundtree. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, okay. So the the jumping around was really part of that whole "I'm rooting for everyone black" conversation. So if we did run out of time, yes. then we'd cover the ones I'm interested in. Um, let's go to a category. We haven't done best. We haven't done lead actress though. We haven't, and uh, let's see why. Uh, Sally Hawkins, Rances McDormand, Margot Robbie, Saoirse Ronan, uh-huh. and Meryl Streep. Uh, I don't know. Four of these ladies can pack up and not even bother show up. I kind of want Meryl to win just so that people will stop nominating her for this. Oh, I they feel will like never stop. 
I feel like they might if she wins this year. No. I want Frances McDormand to win. Um, you know what? I um, I am with you. Uh, I if it's not Frances McDormand, then Sally Hawkins because her performance is so lovely without a word spoken. Um, it is like it's almost like a, I mean it is a silent performance. Um, but yeah, you know, I Tanya, you know, Margot Robbie. I wouldn't be mad at her if she won. I didn't love the movie, and I feel like she can do better. Saoirse Ronan. I love Saoirse Ronan. I can't believe this is her third nomination. And either third or fourth. Like, it's quite amazing what she's done. That kid's been a beast since Atonement, though. I've never hated a child so much. Uh, Yeah, oh, Bryony. But yeah, like, I love Saoirse Ronan. You know, I loved her in Brooklyn. I love her in everything that she does. Um, But I just think... um, like, I think Lady Bird, like, to me, it's, it's still, like, too light of a movie. Um, that's, that's not the right word. It's not too light of a movie. Too twee? I just feel like it's not the performance that I want her to win for. And the reason is this. But nobody wins for the performance you want them to win right, for. but... Hashtag training day. Right, but what I mean is... But I think... So what happens often is that your Oscar comes after you've done the great work. I think for her, this Oscar would come before the great work. Um, so I want to see her like do something that blows me away and to win for that or, or after that because I think what could happen too is that uh, I mean Jennifer Lawrence is a very rare case because I mean I fucking hate Jennifer Lawrence unless I get into that but um, most young actresses they, they win one and then that's kind of it I feel like Saoirse Ronan is going to be around for a really long time she's going to do some great work and, really and she's coming up in an era that is Weinstein free. Like she's yes. she's coming up in a brave new world. She's got like great accent. I just feel like I want her to do. Um, I want her to win her first Oscar for something that I think is her best work to date. And I guess what I'm saying is I don't think Lady Bird is her best work to date. All right, I agree with all of the things you said. I, yeah, I also feel like Margot Robbie is capable of even more, and yeah, she totally the fact is. that she is so you know symmetrical and oh, she's so pretty yeah and stereotypically <laughs> attractive it's and let and, and you know, yeah. what's, you know what she needs to too? she needs to hit her thorough kind of years yes. and not only is she beautiful she's also extremely likable mm. which is like it's just like you know so like you know what she has that and she's also only like that's a thing like there's Sir Sarah Sharon is about 23 I think Margot Robbie's about 27 Margot Robbie just reads as a lot older so once again, she's got a long, she has a lot of runway. Um, you know, she produces movies. She's done a lot. Um, and I think she will do a lot. But yeah, like I think she can do better than I, Tanya as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. Uh, but I'm less interested in this car- this whole category in general. Yeah, uh, it's... There isn't anything that's going to make me sort of gasp in like legit surprised if like one of the outside shots win in this. I was like, oh, that's nice for her. <coughs> yeah, like, yeah, I don't have a, the, the normal amount of investment in lead actresses I normally do. I'm actually more invested in lead actor, which hardly ever happens. But it's also a more diverse field. Hmm, could that be why? Could be. Hmm. So, to another one of the uh, wider shade of pale categories, actor in a supporting, supporting role. Actor, yeah. So, our biggest uh, notable absence here is... Uh, Army Hammer. Next to him... Or Michael Stewart who was the best supporting actor in basically all of and the things this year. He was in uh, he was in The Shape of Water and he was also in The Post. He and Wasn't uh, he in something else too? Uh, 
Th- those are the three that I that I, that I oh, know of. Oh, so two you just listed. So oh, Shape no. of Water, The Post, and, and oh, Call so, Me By Your Name. And Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he was he was like uh, every everywhere. He was literally the best supporting actor. Yeah, yeah. Like just yeah, he was giving it for it, giving it, it could be he He's, could have been nominated with just 2017 yeah. next to that title. Yeah. So you know, we'll pour one out for Stobark. He'll be okay, but. You know what? He's, he's definitely the king of the hey, it's that guy's right now. Oh, he's getting the work. Yeah. But, uh, so we have Willem Dafoe on the Florida Project, a movie that I am in the minority on not liking. That child drove me to distraction. Uh, I thought everyone was a garbage person, except for the Willem Dafoe character. I think Woody Harrelson's been better in other things. I mean, he's, his, his letters were wonderful. He was very likable. But yeah, he was doing something that I think for Woody Harrelson is relatively easy. You know what? Who's being likable? Yeah, and that's I think what Woody Harrelson is likable. Right. Um, Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water broke my heart. Oh my God! Yeah. And it was so subtle and understated. But he was also still funny, like yeah. the the bit with the cat. You're lucky. Oh God! Yes, yes. Yeah, um, and and he really was like when you think about what a character does, um, like what a supporting actor does. He was a supporting character like he was so emotionally like he was almost the emotional heart of that movie um uh and then you have christopher Plummer. i did not see all the money in the world so if yeah i um nor will i probably see it i think that really is just recognition for going in there doing 10 days of work and making it seem like you were on the the, the picture the entire time that's your judy dench uh, she was in the film for a 15 minutes nomination and also, like, this is also one of these, every time there's, like, a record, I'm like, huh? Is that possible? But, yeah, Christopher Plummer's the oldest dude to get nominated for an Academy Award as lead actor. So, under the uh, Salty Old Canadian, that's a speech I'd most like to see. A oh, lot yeah. of people are using the animated gif of Captain Von Trapp ripping up the Nazi flag and saying they want him to win and just go on stage and do that. Well, he's not going to. He probably couldn't rip it with his bare hands anymore, but I do like the idea of kind of a salty old Canadian whose advance, whose advice to young actors is, you know, read, learn your lines and stay off booze for the first few days oh. as his best tips for being successful. But I also hate to, to, to be this person, but I think um, Christopher Plummer is an old school raper as well. I think there's been... Captain some, Von Trapp? Some talk about... Captain uh, Von Rape? Yeah, like... Uh, Back in the day, I mean, these theater boys, but yeah, like I think I read this recently, uh, was that he was a raper as well. Oh, then hard pass on you. Sam, Sam Rockwell, what are your thoughts on Sam Rockwell? <coughs> I like Sam Rockwell. For the a, role that liberal podcasters most like to hate. Yeah, um, you know what? I thought he he entertained me. And if everybody, I mean... I left that movie thinking he's just won his Supporting Actor yeah. Academy Award. Um, you know, he had an arc, It's it, but he didn't get... He got kind of a hero a hero arc, but his redemption is like not redemptive at all. What he's going to do uh, is his act of redemption is morally repugnant. So I kind of like the way that they sold that. Um, and I don't think that Richard Jenkins will win. There's no, I mean, Sam Rockwell, once again, has won every award that has, that he's been up for this year, I think. Um, so he's definitely going to win. And I don't hate that. Um, yeah. Like I just, yeah, that's, you know, once again, I don't have a lot of, I don't really care um, in this category, I don't care. He has been known to dance. I'd love it if he yeah. goes up there and does like an old-timey James Brown sort of like spin and splits before and, he accepts his award. And he loves Lizzie Bibb. You know, they've been, yeah. you know, they've been together for a really long time, low-key. So, yeah, you know, if Sam Rockwell had an Oscar, I, like, I'm not going to be, eh, I don't really care. But I don't, that's the whole thing. Like, I don't, like, normally, 
Um, when it comes to the Oscars, somebody winning will make me really mad. If Sam Rockwell wins, I'm not going to be mad. I'll just be like, eh, good for him. And for... I'm actually, for other categories, like once we get into all the below the title stuff, your visual effects, your editing, whatever, I wouldn't mind if there was a little run on Baby Driver to box out your Dunkirks and your... Uh, Sorry, what's this for? Blade Runners. All, all the nerd stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, um... For sound the- editing and sound mixing, I'd be okay with Baby Driver over Blade Runner or... Shape of Water, Star Trek, or Dunkirk. Um, it's legit the exact same movies for sound editing and yeah, sound mixing. Yeah, original score, Dunkirk, Phantom Thread, Shape of Water. Eh, yeah, like I could care less about score. Um, makeup and hair, or costume design. Oh, wasn't Kevin Spacey also in Baby Driver? Oh, yeah, he was. He, he oh, was. that'll be an interesting uh, cut of the he's little movie. He's not in it that movie. much, though. He's, but he's sort of the main... Yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, it's just Ansel Alport to name that. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if they'll completely edit him out of the little movie clips they show. Of course they will. Yeah. Of course they will. Um, uh, I guess it does make promotion for that one, for the Oscars a bit problematic. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, I don't have a lot of, um, like, you mean, look at, you know, cinematography. So, I mean, I always find cinematography fascinating. So... You know, I've seen like well, I've seen Blade Runner, I've seen Darkest Hour, I've seen Dunkirk, I've seen Mudbound, and seen The Shape of Water. The movie that is the most beautiful to me, like just. Uh, Deakins hasn't won. No, yeah, and I was gonna say like even without yet, but you know he he might just never win. But um, like you know Rachel Morrison, Welcome to the Club. You're not yeah. gonna win for this. But I feel like Deakins. This is a case yeah. of long overdue and actually it's, 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 should win. But it's also a great. I was gonna say like yeah, Blade Runner twenty four. 49 is a spectacular looking movie. This is that rare case of your you're nominated this year because it's long overdue. You actually should win. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dunkirk is a lot of fuckery. Like, oh, IMAX and oh, look at all these things. Like, I, I don't find Dunkirk remarkable on any level. Um, Mudbound is a, you know, it's a beautiful looking movie. Um, I think what might ultimately hurt Mudbound too is the fact that it wasn't um, that it was a Netflix movie, and most people saw it on Netflix. Probably. Yeah, so you don't get to see the cinematography on yeah. a big screen. Yeah, so it ain't gonna stand out. Uh, once again, repping it once again for Hostiles, one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Cinematography is beautiful. Please see it in the theater. Um, and The Shape of Water is beautiful too, but it's not. Um, cinematography favors open spaces, and The Shape of Water is there's a lot of, it's a lot of the shots are internal. So I don't, to, to me, it doesn't stand out from a, um, like maybe from a production design standpoint, mm-hmm, but not, mm-hmm. from a, not from a cinematography standpoint. I can't think of any shot, except the very beginning, like the opening titles when it's underwater, but it's really not, but they actually didn't shoot that underwater, um, which is kind of amazing. But yeah, like it doesn't, uh, I don't think of uh, cinematography when I think of Shape of Water, I think of production design. I do think of the smaller moments and some of the camera movement and other things like when she did go out and buy the shoes for herself after she handled her business at home with her man. Yeah. And like the way the camera moves from those like red shoes that you saw her admiring previously from mm-hmm. like inside the window. So some of those moments where they used elements that her character interacted with because she doesn't speak. Yeah. And, you know, visually you got to see how they unfolded later on 
those movements of the camera around her and what she looked at and what she interacted with. And then, uh, as her relationship to those things changed, I think everything about the way they shot Michael Shannon's face, uh, reminded me of the giant Frankenstein head on the wall in the exhibit that they had at the AGO, where it's this giant sort of 3D Frankenstein head and the way they lit it from underneath. Oh, yeah, yeah, And the way they shot Michael Shannon's face to make him seem even more monstrous with all yeah. those angles. Oh, that's correct. Yeah, it, uh, there, were, there were things that were not as perhaps, quote-unquote, cinematic as like, you know, a beautiful vista yeah. or, you know, your sunrise over, you know, a kill or even... I was watching an old episode of Game of Thrones the other night, and that first shot when you see Hodor and Kid from Love Actually and Bran oh, see the the tree in the distance, yeah. like that is a gorgeous shot, yeah, and so- it's like a great mix of <coughs> practical, probably use of Iceland and like effects and everything else, and it's beautiful. Like those kind of shots, like yes, you think cinematography, but like what I liked about shape of water is that I wasn't thinking wow cinematography I was just the camera was moving around this quiet individual and using the elements to tell me a story like the boiling of the eggs in the water and then the eggs on the edge of the sort of pool situation and but I guess for me that would be more like editing than cinematography it's it's more editing and production design and other things but the how I was shown those things I do think some element of that is the cinematography, just not in the way it's sort of... Yeah, not overt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, uh, like, for me, like, things like score, like, I don't ever notice... I mean, it's very rare when I notice the score to something. It has to be... Because I'm just not a score person. Um, but there will be... Every once in a while, I'll, I'll be like, oh, this score is actually haunting. It's actually... It's become an earworm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it plays back in my head. But to me, score is something that's very understated. But to me, cinematography is always, like... Oh my god, that's a fucking beautiful shot. That's how I notice cinematography. Like even like like uh, like um like the last Star Wars movie. There are so many shots in that movie. You're just like, oh my god, that is stunning. Like you've given me something I've never seen. It's like this incredible feast. So to me, like, yeah, it, it's it's a so visual yeah. ejaculate in my actual eye. Yeah, like even I mean, The Revenant, which is a garbage movie in my opinion, <laughs> um, is absolutely one of the most beautiful movies. I've ever seen it's full of shit, you know, best viewed with sound off, but it is absolutely fucking beautiful. Um, but that was Roger Deakins. No, that was, no, that was uh, uh, Emmanuel Lubetsky. Anyway, but yeah, like absolutely beautiful, beautiful, beautiful looking movie. And the cinematography transcends everything else. When I think of, yeah, movies that I can watch with the sound off or on, I think of like early Luc Besson up to Fifth Element. Yeah, like can you like just every shot in the professional, every like little Portman walking down the hallway and the view of her through the peephole, and every shot of Gary Oldman's character in that movie, uh, all the way up to Fifth Element, where you know the diva at Plava Laguna, uh, all of the Chris Tucker stuff, oh. like. The crazy, all the effects stuff in the flying cab with Corbin Dallas. Like, that's a movie that I can watch with the sound off yeah. and enjoy it. Yeah, like it's almost like um, like back in the day, it's like, would I want this this shot to be my desktop wallpaper? Yeah. Like, that's great cinematography because I want to keep on, I want to freeze the image and look at it 
all the time, every day. Like to me, that's that's something that's uh, iconic. And if it's arresting, not necessarily beautiful, but arresting, it and it makes me feel yeah. something. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It, yeah. When I say beautiful, I don't mean like it's a beautiful scene. It's, it's just, a composition. It's a composition. Does it look like, is it painterly in any way? Uh, could it be hanging in a museum? Is it art, I guess? Is it art? Is it art? Is I know it, art? it when I see it. Exactly. So, I'm done for stuff I care about. Yeah, um, um, I'm done for um, things I care about, too. I um, guess for costume design, you also want Phantom Thread? Phantom Thread, yeah. I mean, what are my options for costume design? Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I never saw that. Darkest Hour. Ugh, Phantom oh, Thread. Yeah. Shape of Water. Uh, Shape of Water isn't... And um, Victoria and Abdul. Well, I didn't see Victoria and Abdul. I'm sure there's some sumptuous outfit. But uh, the thing about the Phantom Thread is that they were creating... Um, what had to be um, sort of haute couture for the 1950s, but they had to be original designs. Whereas Victoria and Abdul, I'm sure there were some lovely, um, I, I assume it's probably um, the Indian characters who, like, I don't know what the cause, I never saw the movie, but I assume it's for, for what that dude was wearing as opposed to what some frumpy getup that, that Princess, Princess Victoria, that, uh, that Queen Victoria was wearing. Um, and in The Shape of Water, yeah, like it was period specific, but yeah, we've all seen Mad Men. Um, so what they were doing in Phantom Thread was believably creating these designs that were absolutely stunning, but you had to believe that they were original designs from the 1950s. And just like, you know, they did great things with, uh, with sound uh, design too, where, you know, they'd be like unspooling like a, a bolt of material. And it would just go whoosh. And then they'd be like snip, snip, snip and cutting it. So it was so, it was such a sensual thing the way that these garments were being created so you really have this connection to the costumes in a way that you don't in most films because people are just wearing them like they just happen to be wearing this but in this you're explicitly it's about the the clothes and the clothes are beautiful so it's kind of like yes this is the thing so we're very consciously doing this but didn't we do this didn't we do a really good job with costumes and that's yeah so I think that will probably catch a lot of um a lot of people's attentions and yeah it's absolutely beautiful oh listener uh partially due to my lack of attention uh, preparation and also wine i forgot the other two categories that i'm more than mildly interested in original screenplay and adapted screenplay for most funny possible winners we have a tie between uh, get out for jordan peele and the big sick by Emily V. Gordon and Kamal Najani. So either one of those two would be a great speech. Uh, I kind of think the edge goes to Big Sick on that one. Yeah, because that's they have no other way to... Uh, isn't that its only nomination as well? Uh, might be. I think it might be. And then there's... Guillermo's also in there, Lady Bird and Three Billboards, where, you know, it's fine if Lady Bird... If that's Lady Bird's only win. Yeah, um, but once again... Uh, because I'd rather get out. But Greta Gerwig was nominated. Saoirse uh, Ronan was nominated. The movie itself was nominated. I think. I mean, unless I want to give Gre- unless I want to get something to Greta Gerwig, but then why not give it to Jordan Peele? Like it just comes down. It's very. These are these categories where it could go a million different ways, or maybe because Martin McDonough wasn't nominated, but Three Billboards is really about the screenplay. Um, then uh, you know it's yeah like it's it's. Or if, you know, if the shape of water sweeps. So there's like nothing here. Um, I'm going to have to get on like some other source to figure out what my opinion is on this because I don't know. And for adapted screenplay, 
So Call Me By Your Name, people have read the book, I have not. The Disaster Artist, I have the book, haven't read it. Logan, and you know what, they're probably going to steer clear of the Disaster Artist um, because of the Franco of it all. And didn't get any other nominations, I don't think. Logan, um, I don't think they're going to give it to a comic book. If they do, that would be amazing. No Wonder Woman this year nominated for anything. She didn't get any technical. I would have nominated Patty Jenkins over Greta Gerwig, I'll fucking tell you that. That is a, there's some fucking, I mean, (coughs) Wonder Woman is an imperfect movie. The last act is the trash fire in the way that all superhero movies are. But God, it is so good. For that battlefield sequence alone, um, it is a, I mean, I love it. So yeah, like. Give Patty Jenkins her her nomination, please, and stop being so narrow-minded about genre films. Um, Aaron Sorkin, Molly's Game, you know what? No, just no, just no. Just because you write a 200-page screenplay and you make it into a 90-minute movie because you make everyone talk fast, there's nothing great about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I didn't like Molly's Game at all, and you know how I feel about Jessica Chastain. Um, and Mudbound... Yeah, I don't think so. So, call me by your name. Um, yeah, I guess I have... In terms of who you think will actually win. Oh, yeah, you know, like, yeah, because I've sort of found... You basically poo-pooed everything else. To eliminate everything else. People yeah. have, a, have a connection to the to the book. And uh, people like James Avery, um, he's still kicking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to go with call me by your name. All right. Yeah, uh, now that I have scrolled through <laughs> up and down the main things, I now think Sorry, we've covered everything I am interested in. And we've gone for a while. Yep. So I think that's it until, you know, award season's finished. I may post something else before then, but in terms of talking about the awards, yeah, I, I've had it, you know, whatever. <laughs> March. So I know, but I award season is longer and longer every year, and I'm I've got. What happened to the Oscars being in February? Yeah. What's this bullshit? We're going back to March all of a sudden. Right, and who cares anyway? February, as soon as February starts, I'm seeing over and over again. I've already got tickets for two different yeah, shows. So yeah, that's all. Of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, listener, anything I record in February, my February is all full up. All Black Panther, all the time. It'll just be Black Panther week over week over week. Maybe I'll watch a few issue episodes of uh, Black Lightning. Oh yeah, I haven't, I've not watched any. It, but it's on it's on Netflix in Canada, so I can watch it legally. Oh, is it really? Yeah, they're doing oh, the same Riverdale model. Yeah, okay, so it yeah. so it's a week after. So I think it started in the states last week, okay, then I'll, and I'll, then starting I think it started last night on Netflix in Canada. So oh, okay, then I'll, that's easy. I can just press a button. Yeah. So maybe to break up the Black Panther talk, we'll talk about Black Lightning just to confuse people. Why does every black superhero have to be called black something? Because the they were all initially invented by white men. I know in the sixties, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Come on. I know. Jesus. I, it, it happened. At least like they it. exist. Yeah, but come on. I guess I mean it's existing IP, but I find it very um, racist. A hundred percent. But if you are interested in more about Black Panther, you can read the great profile I did in Vulture on. Christopher Priest, the man who made Black Panther cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw the headline. I didn't read the article. Yet. Yeah. Great article. If you want to get ready, do some prep. If you don't want to go into um, the world of Wakanda or stuff that Roxanne Gay recently did or the ta Coast run on Black no, Panther not, not, and the not, comic book. Not reading a comic book to watch that movie. Never happened. 
That's right. You could just read this article. Are there to any get spoilers it. in it? Spoilers for the like what Black Panther is? I feel like all oh, this. I, know. Well, yeah, I, I feel that. like most of your spoilers for Black Panther are in the big Infinity War trailer. Well, we know logic who, would dictate. We know at least who didn't die. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sorry, listener, if I spoiled it for you by explaining how time works. But if you see someone in the Infinity War trailer, you gotta assume they're not gonna die on Black Panther. And I feel like Marvel has just decided to be like, "Fuck it." Yeah. So, you know. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. And Cross we'll see you probably in February. Uh, yes, let's do this uh, again soon, but not... Not too soon. Not too soon. Not too soon. Because we end up drinking a lot on a school night. It was, it's Wednesday. <laughs> and we're out. Yes.